0: Welcome to Lead On, a program where we talk about practical issues related to ministry leadership. I'm Jeff Ward, the president of Gateway Seminary, and I've been leading in ministry organizations for a long time. I've been a church planter, a pastor, and a ministry executive. And over the years, I've learned a lot about how to apply biblical and theological answers to practical ministry problems that we face every day in leading churches and ministry organizations, mission enterprises, uh, all kinds of work that we're doing in God's kingdom. Now I've been paying attention, uh, especially over this last year, to some of the struggles that pastors and ministry leaders have been reporting, particularly in surveys and then also in just my inbox as people email me questions and suggestions and concerns. And one of the things that really rises to the top right now is that ministry leaders are struggling with managing time or time management or having enough time to manage all of the responsibilities they have as leaders. Now when I first started teaching and writing about time management, I focused on the how-to's of getting more done. That's certainly a part of time management. It is important to learn some techniques for just getting more done. But what I learned through teaching that, in the early days particularly, was that it was really unsatisfying to changing the frustration that leaders felt about time and time management or time mismanagement. So I started delving a little deeper and asking a a really more profound question, and that is, what's the underlying cause or causes that cause us to struggle with managing time effectively? What are the root causes of time mismanagement? Well, as I've talked to a lot of leaders and read about this subject and reflected on my own experience, I've come up with several of these root causes. And I want to talk with them today, with you about them today on the show, and I want to see if I can help you to understand why you may be struggling to manage your time effectively. Number one, the first root cause of time mismanagement is personal insecurity. Now that may seem like a strange place to start on the issue of time management, but let me see if I can flush it out for you just a bit. Personal insecurity has some specific symptoms which relate to time misuse. For example, the inability to say no without feeling guilty is rooted in personal insecurity. This means that we take on tasks we should have never agreed to do. It means we, have, uh, we clutter our schedules with activities that really aren't productive or are germane to our mission. It means that we find ourselves com- uh, agreeing to responsibilities that, that really aren't ours, we have an inability to say no without feeling guilty because we get our security, if you will, from pleasing people, from feeling needed, and from staying busy. Listen, if you get your security from pleasing people or from feeling needed or from staying busy, you are on a downward spiral of ministry ineffectiveness and that will reflect itself in your time mismanagement. But the solution for you is not to get a better smartphone app to track your minutes every day. That's not gonna solve your problem. The problem is personal insecurity. The symptom is the inability to say no without feeling guilty. And the solution is to solve the security issue. But before we talk about how to do that, let me give you a couple other examples. Personal insecurity also shows up in the inability to take risks and to possibly fail. Sometimes this is called analysis paralysis, where you simply are immobilized and the minutes and then the hours and sometimes even the days tick by because you are unable to make a decision which involves a risk which might include some failure because of what you think others are going to say or do toward you. That kind of personal insecurity reveals itself in this inability to take risks and possibly fail. A number of years ago, I worked with a person who experienced a good bit of criticism uh, in their their performance. And because of that, they got less and less confident in their decision-making ability and finally reached the point where they simply were immobilized were unable to even function on a day-by-day basis, and it then erupted into a health crisis in this person's life. We traced it all back down, though, to this personal insecurity issue. It really wasn't about time management. This person had an MBA. They knew how to manage themselves and how to manage their time. What really was at the cause of their analysis paralysis was the level of criticism they had experienced had undermined their security they were receiving from pleasing other people and revealed in them a profound insecurity because they were grounded on the wrong things and they resulted in time mismanagement. And then here's another example, and that's the inability to trust others to make decisions. And this can take a couple of different uh, uh, perspectives. Number one, Uh, It might mean that you have a fear of delegation because you're afraid of giving away your work because others might do it better than you. Others might not do it and you'll be blamed for it. Lots of reasons why people fear delegation. But it can also be because you have overestimated your own abilities. I once worked with a pastor who was burning himself out, and when I tried to help him with that issue, he said, well, I can't give these things away to others because I want them done correctly, I want them done the right way, which meant his way, which rested on the assumption that his way was the best way and in fact the only way. And that's all right in some areas, but he was extending it to the totality of the ministry of their church and was running himself ragged because of that personal insecurity expressing itself in the inability to trust others to make decisions or to do ministry. He came to me with a time management problem, but his problem was not time management. His problem was personal insecurity. So I want you to think about that with me today as we talk about it here on the program. Personal insecurity is the first reason for time mismanagement. It shows up in the inability to say no without feeling guilty, the inability to take risks and possibly fail, or the inability to trust others to make decisions or to delegate tasks to others. These things masquerade as time management problems, but they're not. They're really symptoms of personal insecurity. And so what do you do? Well, you have to solve your security issues. I believe you have to come to develop personal security in Jesus Christ, in his person, his work, and his relationship with you. You do this by studying the doctrine of the security of the believer. Sometimes people mistakenly believe that the doctrine of the security of the believer is an after-you-die reality. In other words, I believe in the security of the believer, which means that when I die, I know I'll go to heaven. Well, that's, so, that's true. But the security of the believer means that you are as secure today in Jesus Christ as you will ever be, including as you will ever be in your life eternally with him in heaven. Security of the believer means you come to rest in the person, the work, and the relationship you have with Jesus Christ and that you get your value, your worth from him right now. And out of that security, then you're able to provide ministry leadership and make decisions about how to use your time, not in order to find security, but because you have security, you can express your time management choices so differently. Well, a second root cause of time mismanagement is poor self-discipline. Now, the Bible says that self-control is a fruit of the Spirit, Galatians chapter 5. So we know that self-discipline is a spiritual uh, issue and a spiritually motivated practice. What are some symptoms related to poor self-discipline that show up in time misuse? Well, the first is what I call emotionally driven work patterns. It's depending on adrenaline And adrenaline rushes to get your work done rather than disciplining yourself to a schedule to accomplish tasks. Another symptom is what I call over-spiritualizing our tasks. Now, our work as ministry leadership is, or our work as ministry leaders is spiritual work. Let me be sure you understand that. Over-spiritualizing, though, says that we can't do anything in ministry leadership unless we feel a particular spiritual impulse. Well, I think what we sometimes do is confuse adrenaline rushes or emotional highs with spiritual impulses. You know, I've discovered, for example, that I have a staff meeting every week that I'm responsible to lead. And whether I feel motivated to do it or not, whether I feel spiritually led to do it or not, whether I feel adrenaline uh, charging me up to go into that meeting or not, I still have to plan to get it done put it on my calendar, make sure I'm prepared for the meeting and go into it equipped to do the leadership responsibilities I have. So we want to be careful that we don't depend on emotionally driven work patterns or over spiritualizing our tasks and recognizing that we just have some things we just have to get done. And then another example of poor self-discipline is avoiding or putting off distasteful tasks. You know, sometimes we We keep putting things off, and because of putting them off, they occupy large blocks of time in our thinking, on our schedules, in our minds. They're distractions to us when we're trying to think about other things. When if we would just move that difficult thing up to the front of the list and get it done first, it would free our minds and free our schedules and make it possible for us to do so much more effectively, uh, work so much more effectively on the other tasks at hand. So how do you solve the poor self-discipline issue? Well, first of all, uh, recognize it is a spiritual problem and ask God to give you the self-control that comes from part of bearing the fruit of the Spirit. You can check that out in Galatians chapter 5. Self-control is a fruit of the Spirit. Ask God for it and ask Him to work it into your life. Then second, another step toward developing self-discipline is to submit yourself to a schedule. To actually write out a schedule of when you're going to do certain things every week and then stick to that schedule. You say, but I don't feel like it. Stick to it anyway. But I don't feel motivated. Get up and do it anyway. Disciplining yourself to a schedule is one very concrete way to overcome the issues of poor self-discipline. And then another good way to master poor or to overcome poor self-discipline is to choose a difficult area and master that. And then there's something that I like to call the spillover effect that will affect and impact and improve you in other areas. This is why fasting is an important practice for ministry leaders. Fasting gives you the opportunity to periodically set up a self-discipline over your physical appetites and once you've established that and proven that you have mastered your appetites for that period of time that you're fasting you find that that discipline carries over into other areas and so that you're more disciplined with your schedule with your entertainment choices all kinds of things as that spillover effect takes uh, impa- or has impact so a second root cause of time mismanagement is poor self discipline i've given you some symptoms and a solution to, or some solutions to work on today Well, let's talk about a third uh, root cause of time mismanagement, and that's poor self-esteem. Now, the symptoms of poor self-esteem as they relate to time mismanagement are things like this. we working long hours to gain approval. Now, I came from a family that really valued work and valued hard work. Um, My mother, for example, worked a full-time job, and then besides that was a ranch wife in West Texas. So that meant she went home every day and after working a full-time job, uh, went home to horses and cows and sheep and plowing and harvesting and all the things that go along with working as a ranch wife, if you will, in that context. That's where I grew up. Working long hours to gain approval was a part of my understanding of what it meant to prove myself and to demonstrate my worth or to show my esteem, hence the phrase self-esteem. I had to get past that. Now, I still work a lot, and I'm glad to do that because I now see my work as an expression of my relationship with God, not as trying to achieve a relationship with God. I now see working long hours on occasion as part of fulfilling my leadership responsibility to serve others and make a difference in their lives as their leader. I don't see myself working those hours to gain the approval of others or somehow prove myself. You know, ministry leaders are tempted to work long hours sometimes to justify our role because the product we produce is so nebulous. You know, ministry leaders don't have a quota. We don't sell a certain number of products every week in order to meet our quota. We don't produce a certain number of widgets on the assembly line each day to prove that we got our work done. We don't make a certain number of calls or sales calls to demonstrate our intentionality our product is much more nebulous. We're making disciples of people and helping them to become better followers of Jesus. That's a hard thing to measure sometimes. And so because we can't measure that, we can measure the number of hours we work, and so we substitute long hours to justify our role rather than think about measuring our effectiveness in other ways. And then sometimes, quite frankly, we just want to look busy uh, to justify our, our, our work rather than really be productive. I know that a pastor once told me, true story, pastor once told me that on Saturdays he would drive his car to his church, park it in the parking lot, and then walk home so he could watch college football without feeling guilty. He wanted the people of his church to think he was working all day on Saturdays when he really wasn't. Now, the people of his church probably did not care that he liked to watch college football on Saturday, especially if he worked hard the other days of the week. But yet he had this warped mindset about what, where his self-esteem came from, and his self-esteem came from being one who was recognized as working long hours, even to the point of some deception in maintaining that illusion. So, if you have some of these symptoms, you're working long hours to gain approval, you're working long hours to justify yourself since you have such a nebulous product, you're working long hours to stay busy rather than be productive and even create an illusion that you're maybe more busy than you really have to be. Well, you can solve these problems not by, again, getting a better app on your phone to tell you how to use your time, but instead adopting Christ's esteem as your basis for your self-esteem is the way to get at this difficult root problem. Stop superficial behavior that's trying to prove yourself And meditate on your acceptance in Jesus Christ until you fully change your perspective on where your self-esteem comes from. We are not here to work long hours in order to prove ourselves to God and get him to love us more and have Jesus be closer to us and demonstrate our value and worth to our church or organization. No, we have value, we have worth, we have esteem, if you will, in our relationship with God, and we work out of that not to earn it you got to shift that perspective or you're never going to really be able to solve the presenting problem of time mismanagement that really is a root problem of poor self-esteem. So I've talked about three root causes of time mismanagement so far. Personal insecurity, poor self-discipline, poor self-esteem. Here's the fourth one. The fourth root cause is believing myths about ministry leadership. Myths about ministry leadership. Let me give you some of my favorites. Number one, I must always be available. I'm indispensable. Really? Ministry leaders do need to be available. We need for people to be able to call us, email us, contact us. Uh, It's a high touch work that God has given us, and we need to be involved in relationships with people. But does that mean you have to always be available? Have you ever noticed that the most important people in our culture that people really look to, doctors, attorneys, judges, uh, even politicians, people like that, that we look to these people for leadership and none of us expect them to be available to us without an appointment, without a call first, without some pressing reason to really need their time. That's the way it ought to be with ministry leaders. We should be available to people. We're in the people business, but we also need to have a balance of that, that That helps us understand we we don't have to be available all the time and we're not indispensable. We can have times when we schedule to say this is time for me or for my family or for my hobby or for my emotional recovery or for my sleep. We don't have to always be available. And then another myth is I must please everyone or I must meet everyone's expectations. You know that's simply not true. Uh, The Bible doesn't say that anywhere that you have to meet everyone's expectations. Now as a ministry leader, you have to meet the responsibilities that people expect of you and meet the needs demonstrated by those responsibilities. But that doesn't mean you have to meet everyone's expectations. That's two separate issues. So yes, you are responsible to fulfill responsibilities that have been given to you and to meet legitimate needs that are evidenced by those responsibilities, but not to meet everyone's expectations. And here's another myth. I, I must harm myself to prove my devotion. Pastors sometimes say, uh, you know, I I must work until I'm exhausted to prove my devotion. I must sacrifice my time until my health fails to prove my devotion. I I can't find anything in the Bible about that. Uh, The Bible does call us to significant sacrifice. No question about that. And there are seasons of sacrifice that come into our lives. But the fact of the matter is is, that there is no biblical justification for intentionally harming yourself to somehow prove your devotion. Now, if your devotion results in some harm, meaning that you have stood strong and been persecuted for your faith, yes, that's certainly a biblical pattern, but that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about a person who intentionally harms themselves in order to somehow prove their devotion. That's, that's not a, a principle I can find in Scripture. So believing myths about the ministry leads to time mismanagement because we do all these things I've just described and waste large amounts of time trying to solve problems or meet needs that simply aren't legitimate. What do you do about this? Well, I think the solution is finding healthy ministry models like the model of Jesus, for example, in the New Testament and healthy models of leaders today who are managing their lives well and not operating based on these myths and putting those practices into place, not these things that are based on myth. Well, number five, and this is where most of you probably thought I would start when I started talking about time management for ministry leaders. And that is, we need to develop better ministry management skills. We can learn to do better. We can learn to plan better. We can learn to demonstrate more intentionality in decision-making. We can learn better decision-making strategies and processes that get us through to the conclusions of events or circumstances or decisions more quickly. We can learn some better management skills that will actually make us more productive in what we do. Some examples. Uh, For example, uh, learn to group your tasks. When I sit down each day to do email, I do just email. And then I step away from email for a while and I do other things. And then I may come back later in the day and do email again. But I have prescribed times when I group my tasks. I do email at a certain time. I handle regular mail at a certain time. I work on planning uh, for a certain time. And while I may not do these things the same time every day, I know these are daily things I have to do. And so as I plan out my day, I group those tasks. I'm not like a ping-pong ball careening from thing to thing to thing just as the whim hits me or as the phone rings or as the beep sound. Uh, tells me another email has come. I I don't respond that way to demands. Instead, I say no. There's certain time of the day when I study, certain time of the day when I do email, certain time of the day when I make phone calls, and I group those tasks, and that's one way to simply learn to manage time better. Another thing to do is to learn how to manage your appointments more effectively. For example, uh, putting appointments back to back or putting things together so that you keep moving through your day. One of the things I've learned in ministry leadership is that people will take all the time you give them, and so when people ask to see me, uh, I usually ask, you know, about how long do you think you'll need? And sometimes they'll say fifteen minutes, sometimes thirty minutes, sometimes an hour. Sometimes I'll say, listen, this sounds like a pretty complex issue. Let's let's block out a couple of hours to work on that problem. But by setting a time frame from the beginning, we we set out an agenda that we're really going to focus on the issues or needs at hand. Now, obviously, I'm not talking about crisis ministry or something like a death in a family or uh, uh, an emergency situation. Of course, when these things happen, we drop everything and we go, I get that. I'm talking here about the routine effort of managing our time and managing our days more effectively to improve the amount of time we have to devote to ministry leadership and ministry responsibilities. So you can group your activities. You can uh, make your appointments in blocks. You can create time frames for appointments, and that helps people understand the work that needs to be done in those contexts. Well, time management and time mismanagement is a real problem for ministry leaders, I get that. But the solution is not getting a better app or tracking your minutes more effectively or anything like that. Sure, you can get some tools that'll help you, but those are available easily. It's more important to ask yourself the question, what's really driving my time mismanagement? Is it some of the issues I've raised today? If it is, face those issues, and work on the underlying solutions to solve these problems. If you'll do that, the result will be you can learn to manage your time more effectively. And if you do that, you'll be better when you lead on.